0: Welcome to another episode of season two.
1: Season two. This is actually happening.
0: Yeah, man, we've been pretty good about staying on track with a weekly schedule.
1: Yeah, it's kind of incredible. I didn't really expect that this would happen. Yeah, yeah. This is what Especially from when... last year. <laughs>
0: yeah. Last year we would take what, like a two month break and then pretend yeah. like nothing happened.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, and there would also be a whole lot more editing, so it'd take a the process was a lot longer.
0: Indeed. Indeed. No, it's been really good. It's I've been, been very great. grateful. We've also gotten a lot of really good feedback from people who have been yep. listening. <laughs> All tens of people that have been <laughs> listening to the show. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think a few more than that. Well, a few more. But I think uh, <laughs> starting. So I started a both the Twitter and the Facebook page. Ooh. And so I think I mean, I don't know if that's actually helping, but it's. At least creating an, an interesting conversation between the two of us, <laughs> adding a third right. party. <laughs> right, right.
0: Now, okay. So this is the shameless plug moment where we say, you know, follow us yeah. at the other yeah. things three. Is that the, what it is? The, at the is other that things three.
1: Other things three.
0: Um, and find us on Facebook. But I will. I want to say something about this um, that I haven't mentioned to you. Oh. Um. So I feel this way about our podcast in general and the Twitter handle and the Facebook page sort of solidify that for me. Um In all seriousness,
1: like if nobody was listening, I would still do this. Oh yeah, me too. And yeah, and I've said know, before and, that this is just a, th- a fun thing that we like to do as friends.
0: Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I also think that it's, In in another way, like not only is it just fun to catch up and talk to you across, you know, time zones and across countries, but and, you know, we're friends and we like to stay in touch. But also one thing that always enters my mind is I think about why we're doing this. I think one, for sure, it's to have considerable conversation and quality of production and putting things out there for sure. But also, like, I feel like I'm learning about how to do this. You know, like yeah. it's an educational thing for me of like, OK, because, you know, we were just talking before we started recording about like needing to promote. And I hate doing that. Like I hate doing the <laughs> Twitter thing. I hate doing the Facebook thing. Yeah. yeah. But, like needing to be able to do that is something I need to learn if I'm going to do this in the future. And this seems like it's a skill that we're going to probably benefit from in the long run to know how to launch, run, sustain, produce a show. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the, this isn't going away podcasts and technology and social media. Mm-hmm. And so to keep gritting our teeth and pretending like it's just a fad. I mean, you, you and I have both had conversations with older folks that are still skeptical on whether or not the internet is going to be a thing in 10 years.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's I forgot like... to tell you this. <laughs> there was, I had a conference. Oh? oh my gosh. I had a, I had a conference the other day. Uh, and it was a good conference and it was about some of the things that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about the clerical abuse in the church and all that, but also just some of the trends uh, of how how to protect children, et cetera, that kind of conversation, which is very helpful and very good. But it was very difficult to sit through for obvious reasons with the some of the topics. But a very small piece of it that was very difficult for me was that the particular angle was uh, like the title of it was protecting children in this digital age.
2: Um and and so that was the
0: angle and it was just already like at the like right off the bat the language was digital age and at one point I yeah, I kid, I kid you not I kid you not at one point
1: cyberspace was used <laughs> this is 1998
0: oh my god oh my gosh and god bless her the presenter did a wonderful job but just referring to the web and referring to the net and referring to cyberspace oh, made it god. difficult for me
1: and its just one what of those year things was that there's movie? a generation ninety four sandra, sandra yeah. Bullock yeah it's just
0: there's a generational thing there in terms of language <laughs> that I struggle a little bit with and it's not an indictment on what we were talking about or the right. quality of the presentation right right, right those right. are both very good it was just the language used is dated you know
1: yeah yeah which when you use i mean this is the problem that we're facing in churches a lot of the time is that we're using language that doesn't Immediately connect with people because it's not the way that we speak now in church. Well, and you know, and the people are up in arms about the new translation still, saying that it's just not the way that people speak. And I think there, that's an opportunity to say, well, maybe, maybe that's an opportunity for us to us to change the way that we speak, to be a little bit more precise in our language. Hmm. But here with the with this topic, with this issue of the internet, it's like, well. That's just a simplistic understanding. That doesn't really get at, hmm. and again, not to not to knock the content, but like we have it hasn't been referred to in those ways for a very long time.
0: Right. Well, even just the notion of the internet, uh it just there's seems a,
1: behind. Yeah. Well, there's a great.
0: So the only thing I could be thinking, the only thing I was thinking about. Well, not the only thing I was thinking about. Many things, but one of the things I was thinking about in terms of this particular topic. Uh, during that presentation was, was this great show on uh I guess it's through to the BBC I don't really know who produces it it must be the BBC um it's called the IT crowd
1: <laughs> uh huh <laughs> it's a show
0: about uh you know about its IT department in this big company anyway you the try manager it off
2: and on again
1: well yeah
0: but there, remember the episode there's an episode where the manager of the department who clearly doesn't know anything about technology. Mm-hmm. The guys trick her, and they give her a box <laughs> that is the internet. The intern- yeah, the internet. And she has the box, which is the internet. And remind me of that a lot. Uh, just yeah. referring to the internet as if it was a thing. <laughs> it's S- so like small. Separ- yeah. <laughs> but why aren't there any wires on it? Oh, well, the internet is wireless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I've, well, i I've been thinking recently about like how the internet is not a thing to me that is uh-huh. separate from my existence. Like, yeah. like it's the world that I live in. Like I don't understand how to separate the two out. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do. And fortunately this was something that I actually did want to talk to you about. Um so maybe we could table that for now and then come back to it. Um, okay. because I do wanna I do wanna do a little check in to see how you've been doing. <sighs> You're probably coming up on the end of the semester, huh?
0: Well, I think you and I are going to finish the semester at the same time because we start mm-hmm. later in the fall, uh but then we start up together at the same time I think in the in this no. So we start earlier than you in the winter. Um but we start later than you in the fall. That is all to say that we're going to end like a week and a half before Christmas. So I have I have about 5 more weeks of school.
1: Okay, I think that's about the same. And then we yeah. start back up on January 6th, I believe yeah 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 okay it's It's close to that
0: for us too, uh but then in the winter term, I'll finish like in the middle of March or something um yeah, yeah how am I doing that's a good question i I mean I alluded to this a little bit at the beginning of this season, when <clears throat> we were talking a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about your ordination and talking about your preparation for that i I will honestly tell you that it this has been one of the hardest semesters for me in school hmm. and I think I think one there are many reasons for that but I think one of the reasons is because I started the semester with in mind that okay so I'll put it this way all of last year I was just in school just yeah. taking classes yeah. this year now there's something on the horizon that I feel like I'm now preparing for <laughs> um and it's not ordination That's senioritis. Uh well, it's the opposite. So like it's it's not ordination. So it's not the like running up against that deadline and like trying to make it on fumes like a senioritis. It's yeah. the opposite problem. I don't know. I told you this in August, but I don't know if you remember, but I was talking to the provincial about what comes next. Uh-huh. Um and he he kind of greenlighted um a discernment process that I'd been going through about applying to uh a licentiate program in in spiritual theology. And when he greenlighted that it was fantastic and i felt very blessed uh to be able to pursue that but all of a sudden all of my schoolwork started to become this thing of like oh my gosh it has to be perfect i have to do uh, well so because it, yep, it, yep and i and that was creeping into my sense of like my sense of worth and performance and peace and calm and like a lot of anxiety ratcheted up very quickly because it's like
2: mm-hmm. everything's
0: got to go right and then on top of all yep. that like i'm taking a full load plus I have my comprehensive exams in April, and so I'm getting ready for all those, plus applying to this program that I'm hoping to get into for next school year. All that was piling on to me, and I was getting a lot of stress very quickly, and it was I wasn't able to just say, like, oh, I'm just getting ordained. That's the only goal. So as long as I pass my classes and learn a lot of theology, now it's also like, I want all that, but then I also yeah. really want to do well if I want to get into this program.
1: Right. You need to start preparing for that.
0: Yeah, and so that's been that was really weighing on me the first half of the semester, um, mm. like to like to a point where it was getting very like, kind of like, not oppressive. That's not maybe too strong, but like I what was, was it scrupulous, kind of, yeah, scrupulous. But also feeling a lot of like dread or despair or anxiety about oh. you know like how how well am I going to do and like I ha- like it's all on I had it's on me like I have to yeah. perform really well. Um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure. That's a good word. And so that that was the first half of my semester. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. I don't know. I mean, I have more I could say about it. I don't know, a monologue too long. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that started my semester was a lot of that mm. experience of, of overwhelmingness. But that's that takes me to halfway through the semester. How about you tell me about the first half of your semester? How did you start uh, the year coming well, up?
1: Hold on. Hold on. David. Yes. Are we taking comps at the same time?
0: When are your comps?
1: In the spring.
0: Yeah, I'm comping out in April.
1: Nice. Yeah, when are your comps? The same time. Right. I don't know the exact date, but it's around then.
0: Yeah, so we're going to both finish the MDiv together. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be... But for for us, comps is just a big paper that we write. It's not really like... Oh, uh, yeah. Really like, so we'd write a big paper, and then we defend it in front of a board.
1: Yeah, we do... uh Ours is similar, but it's like you've got three, like three questions. Choose, choose three out of five questions and then write like a thousand words per question, something like that. Okay. Per question. And then, and then a week later, after everybody's read your answers, uh, then you have the the board defense.
0: Okay. I see. No, yeah. With us, it's like it's a synthesis paper that we do on a topic, right? A topic of our choosing. Like the day you. Like the day you. That's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, so that's all kind of been on my on my plate. And so it's caused me some anxiety at the beginning of the semester. But I would say <clears throat> since since about fall break, which was two weeks ago, um, I submitted a big proposal for my comps, which took some off of my plate. I said I started to finally get responses from the school that I'm applying to for next year. So that nice. took some of the pressure off of, you know, the planning yeah. process for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and then I also had spiritual direction, uh, which made a big difference as well.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what uh, it does.
0: Yeah, yeah. And through spiritual direction, I think I was able to kind of isolate my my spiritual director. Asked me point blank whether or not I was a perfectionist, and,
1: uh-huh. <laughs>
2: and, and yeah, you and we got this into, to yourself.
0: Yeah, and we got into some serious conversations about like, well, maybe this is too personal, but just getting into questions of like why do i feel like what is my my biggest fear here and yeah. it kind of it kind of comes down to like this notion of somehow needing to earn god's approval or needing mm-hmm. to earn uh the society's approval and yep. you know taking I a lot of things I think that's a pretty on. common thing oh yeah
1: i mean yeah i i we live in an age where you've got to earn it yourself right just in just in life not specifically with salvation or you know whatever formation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing anything then you're lazy and you know unproductive.
0: Right, right. I guess what my spiritual director was also saying by extension was m- my my belief in maybe even God's love for me was conditional. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. like cl- clearly I'm not that good or lo- or worthy of God's love if I don't, you know, perform to the best of my abilities. Um Yeah, I don't know. I think I fell into that massive hole. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm in an in an interesting place in the semester. I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but after um after ordination, it was kinda like oh, I still have I still have schoolwork to do. This wasn't yes. like this wasn't like the end of <laughs> the end of the year. Uh, right. so I, so I, and I couldn't, I didn't have anything to, um, uh, to take the place of that. So I, you know, ordination was finished, fall break was finished. So I was like, there's no, there's nothing else to hide behind. And so I'm like, oh crap, well, I have will actually start working out. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, this is a semester of a lot of practical classes. Hmm. So I'm not gonna, I only, I think I only have like two papers to write. Nice. And one of them is for the theology of the priesthood, so it's not going to be like a full-on research paper. Hmm. And I'm, at, you know, so I'm actually looking forward to to digging into those papers and trying to figure figure some of that stuff out. Right. So I, right. even though I do have a lot of work, and I kind of had I had to, in a lot of ways, start my semester a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it's I'm still I'm still I think in a good place just because. The things that I'm doing in my classes is like I said, more practical, so I'm learning how to celebrate I'm learning how to preach mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. learning you know all of this fun stuff
0: sure tell me can you can you run me through your classes? What are you taking
1: uh yeah, so I'm taking a uh, a preaching class with the order of preachers. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I figured that might be a good a good thing to do since that's kind of their their thing mhm. Oh, and it's been so good. We started out by just reading, learning how to proclaim and becoming more comfortable with that. Hmm. and coming up, we're gonna start practicing this sounds kind of silly, but i'm I'm all in on it. We're gonna practice writing haiku poems
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> in an attempt to really condense and to clarify what we what we mean and to be able to say what we mean as clearly as possible. That's cool because I mean I have a tendency to to get a little bit too wordy, hmm. and that can confuse a lot of people. It confuses me when I'm speaking sometimes.
2: <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh,
1: and so yeah, and I think that'll be a fun exercise just to yeah to clarify, condense, mm-hmm, simplify. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward, looking forward to that. Um, the celebration class has been really interesting. Uh, I've only done one so far. It was a what was my practice? I practiced celebrating just a regular Sunday liturgy, hmm. but with a blessing of the of the water at the okay. beginning, and we got to use salt and everything. It was really cool. Nice. Um, and then coming up, my next practice will be an anointing at somebody's home.
2: Oh, so what cool. happens
1: when you get, yeah, what happens when you get called in to do that? Um So a lot of fun stuff. And there's also a, like a homework component. We have small groups that we meet in every week. So just kind of the, the daily kind of a practice as well.
2: As so that, we
0: is that like small group to, for you guys to say mass together or?
1: Yep. Yep. So it's like four of us and we, usually we have time to do, to run through two masses. So what, there'll be two of us that practice that day.
0: Nice. So how are you feeling uh, in terms of your presiding comfortable, comfortability?
1: Pretty good. You know, it's, you, you. I mean, you just can't tell because it's not the same as actually being in front of a real congregation. Right. Um, but saying the words out loud, saying the prayers, uh, just, just doing that helps you to internalize them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it Surprisingly, it doesn't take too long. You know, as soon as you become somewhat comfortable, you start to relax, and it becomes less about cons- you. You become less concerned about what page you're on, versus what are the words that you're saying and how sure. is and how are you meaning them. Hmm. So it's really cool. <laughs>
0: nice, nice. Yeah, I'm taking that class next semester, so I'll be doing my my presiding class. We call it art of the presider, which I don't know why, but sort of it's the art <laughs> of presiding styles, <clears throat> which I guess is a, a point of contention for some people that maybe there, oh, shouldn't, really? be a, there shouldn't be a style. There should just be yeah, well, presiding.
1: Ours is called celebrational styles.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the question is whether or not there should be a distinction in styles. Like, do there need to be yeah. styles for priests to uh, say mass or should it just be the, the mass? Yeah.
1: Um, well, I mean, it, yeah, I get that. There, but there's also space for the for personality to come through. Mm-hmm. The danger is when that becomes overbearing, and it becomes all about the person and less about what's happening.
0: What's one way that you see that personality can go? Can like seep through uh, in a constructive, good, positive way?
1: Uh, in a good way, I think. Um, people I make mean, at list when a thousand bad ways, but oh yeah. People can tell when you're, and this is true any, anywhere and any time. People can tell when you're genuine. Hmm. And if you're putting up a front or if you're putting on a show, people, people can tell. Huh. And so I think part of the way that you have to find your own style, not to say that your own particular, your own right, if you want to even think of it that way. Sure. But your style is how, how do you be you and still be true to the right?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I, get that sense, especially with homilies. Like, for me, that's a yeah, great place yeah. of, like, if if it's contrived or if it's overly rehearsed or if it's, you know, verbatim reading, reading a document to me, um, and I get no sense of who is this man who is speaking to me. If I get no yeah. sense of that in terms of this, like, he believes what he's saying or, like, I know yeah. that he's communicating through his personality, The message of the gospel like it's hard for me to really appreciate like i usually really don't i just zone out right like if it's just (laughs) if it's a talking head in front of me rather than it's you know
1: this this person instead of proclaiming the good news then there's a problem
0: right which is not to it's not a condemnation of reading notes or something but it's a condemnation in terms of style of like how how is it that a homily like preaching the gospel preaching a homily is one Aspect of your personality that I think should shine. Then, yep. you know, like, you and I are communicators in very different ways, and we should communicate according to the gifts that we received, you know? Yep. Um,
1: and that's I mean, your style.
0: Yeah, but that's also a really good example of the homily. That's also a good example of a place where dangers are re- replete, right? That there's just a great, oh, yeah. you know, there's a whole, whole variety of ways in which you can fail by overdoing it on your personality.
1: Yep. Yeah. I agree.
0: So you're in presiding styles. You're in homily. Uh, and what else are you in?
1: Uh, preaching, celebration, theology, of the priesthood. Okay. Yeah. That's been fun. Uh, this past week we talked about priesthood in the religious life.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, yeah, it was fun. Just to get an get an idea of. A priesthood is lived out in different way. One of the really cool things that we that we went over was how uniquely Catholic it is to have kind of different, to use like a military metaphor, different branches hmm. of one force. So you've got the diocesan clergy and the religious clergy. And sometimes they overlap, but a lot of times they're they're quite unique. Sure. Um and to let them be unique, I think that's an interesting uh way to think about it that I don't always do. I keep trying to say, oh well there's just one priesthood. Which is true. Mm-hmm. There is one priesthood, mm-hmm. but two mm-hmm. two divisions, if you want to think of it that way.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a place, it's an area of the church, I think, that a lot of just sort of garden variety Catholics don't really know the distinction between the and religious clergy. And sometimes I don't really know the distinction between the two, um, even as a religious, just because I I do side with, you know, the universal priesthood Of Christ, like there's one priesthood, and so I participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. But, but in the lived experience of our ministry, there's there's nothing different in terms of power or responsibility, but different way, different spheres of influence, and also different responsibilities in terms of how, like, we're not responsible for parishes to the same extent that you know diocesan clergy are, or our relationship to the bishops is very different than that of a diocesan clergyman. Um, right.
1: And to bring it back to the military uh language, you know, when we when we find ourselves in uh Veterans Day or Memorial Day, we don't we don't split hairs and say, oh, well, this is the Marine Corps Veterans Day or this is the Air mm, Force Veterans Day. Hmm. We honor we honor veterans, period. Sure. And so sure. and so and to take it even a little further, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect um Something that's typically done by the Navy to be done by the Air Force. Hmm. So you're not going to have pilots down in submarines <laughs> because they're <laughs> two different functions. But their right, right. their goal is the same: the protection of the country.
0: Sure, sure. No, that's good. That's a good analogy. um Yeah, that that came to mind a couple of years ago. I think it might have been in 2009 when Pope Benedict declared it the Year of the Priesthood. Um, that year, I think that he extended the patronage of John Diani from that of diocesan clergy to all of mm. the priesthood. So mm. he, he's the patron saint of all priests and not just the patron saint of diocesan priests. Um, and I, and that struck me then, uh, it stood out to me just because it was making a statement about this is a man who lived out the charism of the priesthood, irrespective of what branch of the priesthood he right. belonged to. I mean, he happened to be a diocesan man, but he, lived the the life, the vocation of a priest in a way that was universal.
2: Right.
1: You know what I'm just remembering? No. Didn't we declare this to be the year of the priest for us?
0: Oh, we did. Was that at the end of season one? <laughs> I think it was. Oh, yeah. This is the year of the priest. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Uh
1: This is... Well, It it was supposed to be... And I think it's true. We have been doing this just not explicitly, as explicitly as I had hoped. But, uh, yeah, the year before ordination, we gotta, you know, we gotta start nailing down these habits and.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I made it a priority to pray all of the office and finally uh-huh. get that as a habit. And I think I have. I've gotten really good at praying nice. all of the hours all day, every day, uh, which has been really good. And then. I bought myself some albs,
1: which is really good. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this thing.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe we should uh, maybe we should put a pin in that and and think about it some more and talk about it next next time.
0: Sounds good. I want to hear about your fourth class because you didn't mention your fourth class. Ooh, my Tolkien class. Yeah, that's like the only class I actually cared about. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it took you twenty minutes to get there. Come on, man. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's been pretty great. Honestly, we just started watching the movies. In class, so you said
0: this is ju- this is a, to- a class on Tolkien.
1: Yeah. So th- it's called Tolkien Religion and the Arts. Um, so we're looking at a lot of his his own personal sketches. He did a lot of watercolors, hmm. and seeing how that's. Um, how that's influenced, the, if it has, just the way it's influenced the stories. Um, but then also getting into talking about some of the theology that you find in, in the Lord of the Rings, in the Silmarillion.
0: That's um, cool. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. My my project, my final project, is going to be looking at. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but looking at <laughs> the trees, the two trees of Valinor. Perion and Laurelin, no idea. <laughs> they sort of they sort of stand as the as the foundation of cosmology. Okay. So, so in that sense, it's more similar to like um, Yggdrasil in Norse mythology, the tree that holds all of the realms in place.
2: Oh yeah 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 yeah.
1: And but also to bring it back to his Catholic sensibilities. Um the garden of eden was built around two trees of life and knowledge of good and evil so mm. there's a lot of parallels there and then looking at how that's how that's persisted throughout the ages so uh the white tree of gondor is actually basically a sapling of one of those original trees whoa um and the cross at calvary is basically the new the new tree of life
0: yeah 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 i made a big deal about that in my sacraments class about mm the so well, one of the big sort of refrains that i taught that class through was as a general principle of understanding the scriptures um i was telling the kids look so if you want to understand the scriptures in a nutshell just think about this that for god the means of condemnation become the means of redemption yeah. so if if we want to understand the move from the old covenant to the new is that anything that was a means of condemnation or alienation or or punishment is redeemed in Christ and becomes a means of salvation right like there's there's a transformation there's a making of things new again a recapitulation um not a an erasing of the past um and i pointed that out to them i was like look the means of condemnation for even adam was reaching for food from a tree uh and that tree that gave them food was the source of their condemnation instead of rewriting history it's just the redemption of that condemnation so now that yeah. same imagery of reaching for food from a tree that becomes the source of redemption right so the eucharist coming from the cross mm-hmm. um that that transformation is what happens across and you can say that about a lot of different things so like the flood is a means of condemnation but it becomes a means of redemption in baptism baptism um, yep yep yeah I and mean, i could go through the whole list but like that's a good example of how the tree uh imagery you know, straddles both of the Testaments, kind of like you're saying with yeah. uh, the the cross there and the the tree in Eden.
1: Yeah, so I'm excited to write that paper. It'll, it'll be, you know, the, the temptation, I think, and it would make it a bad paper, would be just to, to draw a strict comparison between what Tolkien did and what we find in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I say that because that puts too much of a limitation on the Lord of the Rings, because... It's not, it's not just an allegory. It's not just a one to one comparison.
2: No no, uh, no, no, no.
1: And so, and so my, my goal is to look and to look at his art. Some of his earliest art is, um, and the things that he's most concerned with are, are, are trees and plant life and the natural world. So, I'm, uh, my hope is to look at how, how that has, how that influenced the writing of the stories, basically as Catholicism and, and, and influenced his, story.
0: Nice. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, should be fun. Did I tell you I started reading the Silmarillion? Oh
1: yeah? I've never read it before. Yeah. Yeah, think? it's
0: been it's been really good. I've only read the I mean, I haven't actually read any of it yet, but I I read the <laughs> uh <laughs> I read the introduction to the book. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Where uh Christopher Tolkien explains where this story came from and how Yeah. uh Tolkien wanted to publish it but never actually got around to it and
2: Yeah. Can and I that, give like the you public a... A, no, I was going to say that the yeah.
0: published version of his, uh, the published version that Christopher Tolkien made, uh, includes the Silmarillion itself, the story of the Silmarils, of those uh-huh. gems, those, those jewels, but, uh, also includes other stories that were not right. part of that main story arc.
2: Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, just recently the fall of Gondor was published. Huh. Um, and so even though, or not Gondor, of uh, Gondolin, uh, So even though that story takes place in the Silmarillion, that there was so much more that he actually wrote about it and never published.
2: Hmm. Wow.
1: Um, What I was going to say is, a little piece of advice when you're reading it, there's a lot of names (laughs) and a lot of different names for the same thing. Okay. The beauty of it is that a lot of it repeats itself. So like once you get out of the the very first part, it's called the Ainu and once you get out of that, there's kind of a repetition of what had happened. Hmm. Uh, and so, my recommendation would just be keep going. You know, if if it starts to get overwhelming, push through, and you'll start to you'll start seeing those names come up again, and it'll you'll start making those connections. And nice. then Thank you. Yeah. And for the second then for the second reading, you're like, oh, okay, now this is making more sense. Sure, sure. It's like the Bible. Um, you just got to read it a couple of times.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. No, I'm excited. About it. I, I I needed something to read that wasn't school related, uh, and and this seemed like a really good, not school related thing to read.
1: You could also jump. It's similar to the Bible in that in, in this way as well. You can also jump around. Like I would, mm. I would actually recommend you go to Baron and Luthian first. Okay. Well, maybe read the Ainulindale and then go to Baron and Luthian. just because they're two really great stories.
0: Sure. Sure. Um. Cool. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. So th- those are your four classes, right? Those those four.
1: Uh. Yeah. Yep. And then the painting one is kind of in in addition to.
0: Nice. You want to hear about my classes? Yeah. I oh. well, so most of my classes are all requirements. Um, which is very frustrating, but um, you know, it's so like I'm an intro intro to Old Testament class, which I've never took, so I need to take. Um, I am in a class on. Gosh, what else am I in? Oh, okay. So intro to Old Testament. I'm in a class on the Psalms. Uh, I'm in a class on the Synoptics. Hmm. And I'm in a class on medieval Christianity. And I'm in a class on pneumatology.
2: Hmm.
1: Nice.
0: Um, and then on top of all that,
1: pneumatology is to the people out there that might not know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I'll just say briefly though, I'm also taking voice lessons. On oh, the cool! Side. We'll um, <laughs> yeah, and then um, I had been taking saxophone lessons, but I stopped doing that because the semester got a little overwhelming. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so pneumatology it's it's a branch of Trinitarian theology that focuses on the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah. So the Greek word in the New Testament for spirit is pneuma, and pneumatology is the study mm. of the Holy, the uh, study of the Spirit. Um, and it's going to count as my Trinity requirement because you can't talk about any one member of the Trinity without talking right. about the relations between right. the three. And so, um, I've been, the whole course has been about who and what is the spirit in relation to the father, the son and creation, like yeah. all of, all of those questions. And it's been really cool just because I've never really studied Trinitarian theology in depth. And so this has been kind of a fun thing, but I'll tell you, uh, I think the best part about it for me is that it helps me <clears throat> kind of look forward to my my program next year in spiritual theology, oh. uh, because I don't know about you, but I kind of get the sense often from people that if you tell them that you're going to study spirituality or spiritual theology, oftentimes that's interpreted to mean that you're going to be studying psychology slash yeah. uh, like practical spiritual direction yeah. or yeah. retreat retreat ministry, um, which is all good and all necessary. Um But I was counseled by some mentors uh this summer, and they were saying that one of the things that 's most needed right now in the church is not, or at least in the society is not just practitioners of the spiritual exercises and our charism but sort of intellectuals engaging our yeah. charism yeah um which for me is a very cool invitation to say how how is it? maybe this is a little too nitpicky but how is it that spirituality is not separate from systematic theology? Mm -hmm. Um, Or to put it in more simplistic terms, perhaps, how is it that we don't divide the heart from the mind? Um, That I think that there's, there's been a divergence between the two. And I find that working in spiritual theology uh, is a good opportunity to bridge those two in, in our, in our study between the mind and the heart. And I think spiritual theology can be informed tremendously by a theology of the Holy Spirit. Because yeah, yeah. when we when we say spirituality, what what does the word spirit in that word refer mm-hmm. to? I mean, does it refer to my spirit? Does it refer to yep. the spirit of God? What what are we talking about? Um So anyway, yeah. that's been really that's been really cool. That's been a really cool class. Um I would say my other my, my scripture classes have been mostly good. I I like my Psalms class in that I get to study the Psalms, which is cool. The class itself <laughs> is okay. Um my synoptics class, though, I think has probably been my favorite, mostly because hmm. um, I'm getting to study the Gospels, and it's all helping me think about preaching. Like, that's yeah. sort of the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. aim. Um, no, yeah, so that's been really good. But the classes have been mostly just things I need to take to finish the degree. So to there hasn't it. been a lot of, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of enjoyment that in, in terms of a Tolkien class or something.
1: Are you um, going to be able to take a fun class next semester?
0: Yeah. So I, I, f- I managed to reshuffle my schedule and I, I do have requirements. So like I had to take a class on grace. I had to take a class on, um, the sacraments and I had to take like a, theo- like a theological field reflection course on like our pastoral ministry. Um, and then a fourth requirement, but I'm actually looking forward to it is the presiding class. Uh, yeah. And, but then I have a free elective and I've been trying to decide what to do with that elective mm. and I think I'm going to take, uh, homiletics as my elective.
1: Nice. nice. When yeah. do you do confessions?
0: Oh, uh, so our confession practicum is at the end of the semester for a full week intensive. Oh. So I'll finish my five courses and then take that one course over the course of a week and then I'll do comps and then I'll be done. I see. I see. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so it's been good. So you've uh described for me your classes, but I mean how have you experienced all that? Are, are you stressed out or are you
1: feeling pretty good? <laughs> well, hold on, slow your roll. You said something so speaking of, you said something that uh that I want to bring back up. Okay. You mentioned that you were you had given up your saxophone lesson because the semester has been <laughs> too overwhelming. Uh yeah. Is so, that was that a good idea? I mean, it was probably necessary. I don't think that you would do that if it wasn't. But
0: well, it was one of those things that wasn't really a choice. It was just kind of yeah. I it just I stopped going, kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, all things being equal, I probably would have preferred to keep that going and get rid of voice, just because I don't have any prospects of being a good singer ever. But <laughs> I'm a pretty I'm a pretty decent saxophone player, and I feel like at the very least there's something there. I think the reason I kept voice. Was because of the practicalities of singing mass later on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not proud of that, but I just—I mean—you have to be prudent too, and say mm-hmm. you need—you need some to cut some things sometimes. Um, I mean, it's one of the unfortunate side effects of being overwhelmed is that things that—at least for me—that things that matter to me tend to be the first things to go.
1: Yep. Yeah, I had a similar situation this week. Well, uh, so I had a presentation yesterday, on Thursday. And I also was preaching at the morning mass yesterday, on Thursday.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And the f- the first part of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is super busy. I usually have assignments for each one of those classes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just w- at work. And I've got ministry on Tuesday night. So there's just a lot to do on those days. And my painting class is on Wednesday evening. So the one time that I before this started, the one time that I did have kind of a an evening just to crank out some work is now taken up with this extra thing.
2: Hmm. And so, but it's a
1: thing—it's
0: a thing that you love, right? The painting—it's a thing that
1: I love. Yeah. So this week I was thinking, God, I, I really need that extra time—that extra three hours—just to to pre- to better prepare my homily, to finish put the finishing touches on this presentation, you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. Um The <laughs> This is kind of embarrassing to say the thing that really kept me from just not going was it was kind of an expensive, it's kind of an expensive class. Sure. And just to give up on it was like, well, that's kind of a waste of money. Right. Uh,
0: well, so you paid for all of it at the beginning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, okay, well I'm not just going to not go because I paid all this money. Whereas nice. the real reason should have been, this is something that I really love and mm. I don't want to not do it. Even though well, I'm I- not planning on becoming an oil painter, but it's, it's still something that I need. To hey, wh-
0: whatever, whatever puts you there, whether it's guilt for spending money or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter yeah. at the end of the day. If you think about just in terms of the effect, you're in this case, we're not, we're not, let's, let's eliminate all delusions here. We're not the virtuous man, right? We're at the very, yeah. at the best, we're like the man who out of a certain obligation does what he knows is best, but doesn't want to. Yeah. At, the very best, yeah. at the very best, we're that. We're not men yeah. of virtue, really, when it comes to these things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, thankfully, I, I kind of stuck. And I, oh, it was such a good, it was a good session. Um, and I'm so glad that I that I actually pushed myself to do it. Uh, and to have that right in the middle of the week, just this kind of, this creative dump mm. where I can just let it all out, you know. Hmm. And not worry about papers and not worry about all of that. All of the normal stressors.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I'm going to say something that maybe is a little bit, maybe too revelatory. I just, I wonder if there's a difference between you and me when it comes to art uh that makes me leaving my saxophone lessons behind different than you leaving art. Like, I feel like, I don't know if I could describe going to play music with that kind of like, catharsis like you describe uh-huh. it as a sort of cathartic experience uh, yeah. and I and I've, I've lived with you before so I know that when you paint you like go into this tunnel of like or this like cave of just creativity <laughs> and you put your music on and you're able to just thrive in that in the sort of introverted way um, uh-huh. I've just I've never had that kind of infection or that kind of like yeah. fever um, with art or with like an, by, by analogy it's the same sort of thing but with exercise I've never really had that That fever to like, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if I was allowed to, I'd be running to go do that right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It makes me sort of curious of like, you know, I have some friends who would probably yell at me for saying this, but it's like, I don't know if I'm an artist. Like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know if that's, is everyone an artist? Is that even, is that a thing? I mean, like, or is that just wishful thinking?
1: Yeah, it is a weird thing, you know? And it's like, cause, and I noticed this with, with me. And you actually explained it very well. Like I do kind of, it was interesting that you you mentioned the introverted thing. Uh, And I think that's very accurate because I do, to the extent that, you know, I hear a lot of people when they work or they, you know, they play music or whatever it is, that that's a time to to think and to work out things or to like listen to podcasts or do anything like that. Mm -hmm. I can't do that because I have no idea what's going on. Like I just can't focus on two things like that. Hmm. So what usually and th- I think this is part of the reason why uh so this might sound a little weird to those of you out there who don't know I really like heavy metal music. Hmm. Uh and I usually listen to like really extreme kind of like kind of like death metal stuff while I draw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much well, I, I just like it, so that's part of the reason. Um, but like, a lot of it, it's not about listening to the poetry of the music. So it's not so much about the words, uh, to the extent that the, the vocals tend to become part of just another instrument. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's looking at how they interplay with the rest of the music. And so that, that kind of just creates this, uh, this like, Soup of of energy in my mind that allows me to focus on what I'm doing, uh, either painting
0: or drawing, yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, and I mean that's the experience that I have in terms of listening. I can't imagine who these people are that you're saying listen to podcasts while they work. I can't imagine that <laughs> kind of con- conflict of of information that's happening in, inside my head. Um, I mean, I listen to brown noise because that's yeah. Like, the only thing that I have found that or Rain Sounds that helps me, like, sufficiently numb my brain to all thought, except the thought of the thing that's immediately before me. Yeah. Um, It sounds like you're describing your music in the same way. It sort of levels the playing field or, like, it levels out your brain a little bit to where you can just focus on this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Deathman I will say, noise. though, as, <laughs> as as far... Yeah, I love me some brown noise. As far as, like, activities go, though, there is a certain level of obsession or retreat or whatever that you can demonstrate as an artist that I've just never really been able to find or people like gym rats can do with the gym. Um, I've never really found that, you know, mm. that kind of, like, this with is the music? place where I... Yeah, I've never found that with music. I... Maybe I'm still looking for that. I'm not really sure if I know what that is for myself. Um, I mean, being around other people in a social en- engagement environment is always something that I kind of run to. Um, I feel like I've grown up a little bit where I don't have to be around people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've just never really been good at sort of the introverted recreational things. Well, like you know, like
1: one of the things. One of the guys in our province. Who's a musician? And actually, as part of his ministry, he would go out and play, either in the subway or in a. He had this like this little barbecue restaurant that he would that he would sit out, sit outside and play the blues. Uh, Oh, is
0: this uh what Frank Coco?
1: No, 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 someone else. Um, somebody recent that was in Berkeley.
0: Oh, I know him. Yeah, 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 Um, I got you.
1: So, uh, yeah, I think there are, and what you're describing seems like you need that, that interaction and playing, performing in that way, I think. Have you ever thought about doing something like that?
0: I haven't. I mean, I have a million excuses why that wouldn't work. Um, Toronto but... <laughs> seems like a good
1: place to just go out and play on the street.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. I'll have to get that some thought. I, part of it is also like with music, I often feel a little bit exposed. Like I, yeah. so I'll, I'll give you the only thing in my life that I know for sure. Well, maybe there's a couple of things I can name that are in this category, but I think that I'm really good at that. I would gladly do it in a moment's notice, you know, like if you, and I find a lot of life in, for me, uh-huh. one of those areas is preaching. I love preaching at mass or, you know, in the community and I feel like I'm okay at it. I'm pretty good at it. I get a lot of life out of it and I feel like I can be very creative with that um as a craft. So I I enjoy that a lot and I can imagine that being a place where I like don't really have to feel stressed about doing this thing. Um with other kinds of things like music or singing or even reading, I often find that there's a certain level of like needing to ratchet up my like scruples of performance because I'm not entirely confident that I'm going to do it very well. Um, yeah. dancing is one of the other ones where I feel like I I can do that without any sort of concern for how good am I, because I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Um, I don't know. So it's maybe just a matter of finding the right activities. Maybe I just haven't found the right activities yet to help me. To help me do that. Yeah. You know, like I, I've never been good at painting. I've never been good at drawing. I imagine you're not very good at dancing. So like, <laughs> I...
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's worth investigating because, you know, we've had conversations of stress before and it, and if, if we leave it unchecked, then it leads to some pretty dark places.
0: Right, right. But I mean, yeah. is the only way for me to check my stress is to find other things to do to like process no. the
1: stress? No, no. And that's actually a really good... Um, no, so... I Step back. Slow down. Uh, <laughs> I think we do need to process our stress. Yes, I think that's an important way. But I don't think that we need to... Fool ourselves into thinking that, oh, well, this creative thing that I like is the only way to do that. Mm-hmm. Because that might not be true. Like, I know for some people, their creative endeavors are incredibly stressful. Uh, because it's a lot of work and it's hard. You know, I get to a certain point when I'm drawing that it's becomes more tedious than anything. Hmm. And that's part of the reason why I haven't, I'm not as good at it because i usually give up
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah uh, and i don't take that effort to push through the to push through when it really becomes difficult
2: right so just
1: right. to just to kind of put creativity in this kind of a ethereal you know it's funny we start to talk about it in the ways that we start to talk about spirituality that is oh it's just this airy fairy kind of thing that you you know, it's not based in any kind of logic or reality or anything like that. It's just wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's not. There's a lot of struggle in the creative act, whether it's in music or painting or whatever. Or sure, writing.
2: sure. I, so, I
1: think... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go.
0: Well, I was going to give an example of maybe something that I could start doing that I actually really enjoy. And I'm not really good at it, but I would love to be better at it. Um, I I think it's creative. Um I would love to be a computer programmer. Like I would mm. <laughs> I think it would be so much fun to be able to do that. Um so the small example that I have of being able to do something like computer programming is working on iOS shortcuts. shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. I as you know, like you you have solicited from me, yeah, you know, sh- shortcuts. You've asked me to make you shortcuts because you're not as good at it yet as I am. I think I'm I've done more of the complicated things um, that shortcuts can do in, in terms of scheduling and everything. Um, yeah. So for me, I find a lot of life in that kind of, that's a puzzle for me. It's like a puzzle of trying to figure out how to make this thing work. Um, yeah. And I feel like I have at least an intuition there where it's enjoyable, but it's still difficult. Um, I, it's not a necessary part of my life. So it's not, re- it's not part of my job. Um, it's still kind of creative. So, like, for example, I thought about this recently because I was thinking, okay, what can I do when I take my Sabbath day? Like, if on Sunday I'm not doing any work, what would I want to spend my free time doing? And one of the things, honestly, was writing shortcuts.
1: Yeah, nice. Do it.
0: Yeah, I've often thought, what would it be like to take a programming class, you know, just online or something?
1: Do it. That'd be cool. Okay, so let's go back to this. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I think that relates to one of the things that I wanted to talk about even though we've been kind of going for a little while. Um, Something that we were talking about just at the beginning of this episode, but also something that comes up a couple of times in our conversations. This idea of our relationship with, speaking of coding, our relationship with technology. Hmm. And I think that can be a similar thing where we just don't really know what it's supposed to be right now in our lives. Because we want it to be, oh, it's just this thing where I connect with friends, right? But what does it actually become? This kind of this cesspool of of hatred. Yeah, and okay, hold on. yelling at each other and arguing.
0: Okay, hold on, wait, you got to make some distinctions for me. You're talking about technology in a very broad way. So you mean yeah. social media?
1: Specifically with social media, but I think it could also... Well, so that's a good point. I don't know... Um. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm speaking of social media. Okay, can it can it um, be used in the wider sense?
0: Well, I I have a problem generally when people talk about technology without being specific because pencils are technology, right? You know, grammar is technology, right? I mean, like right. there's in a very generic sense, any any sort of craft is a kind of technology. Um, yeah. Anything with
1: so moving parts is a machine.
0: Sure, sure, <laughs> and. And I think that there's a problem because people say technology and what they mean is digital things, uh, or, yeah. or social media or the internet or something like that. Um, and as long as we're focused and specific, because I think that technology, generally speaking, is any kind, and this is, I think, where the principle and foundation from the spiritual exercises comes in. And yeah. actually, the name of our show also comes in is that any kind of techne, any kind of thing that is a, an activity that produces some sort of end, if it's not aimed at the end of right. our true end, then it's a thing that we need to get rid of. Um yeah. maybe that's a little too too abstract, but like there's there's something about technology generally which is it's it's immaterial in terms of value. It's only valuable insofar as it helps us achieve, you know, the end for which we are created. Right? The praise, reference, and service of God. So it's yeah. speaking generally that way, yeah, okay. I can use my computer to hack a national bank and <laughs> And do terrible things or to, you know, go to nefarious sites on the dark web or, you know, terrible things that people can do. Yeah. That doesn't say anything about the value of the technology itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, last episode I talked about, I I tend to be a social media apologist. um, In terms of, I see a lot of people just running from it because it's, it can lead to bad behavior.
0: Okay, hold on. I I want you to speak plainly. Like what what are you what are you seeing happening? What are you diagnosing? What bothers you?
1: So, well, okay, hold on. But but what I do want to say is I'm not just saying that we should be all in all the time with technology or with social media, sorry.
0: Okay, so you want to focus on social media. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, social media. So, I'm seeing and I just had a conversation last night where people were talking about deleting their Facebook accounts. And get of getting rid of Instagram and Twitter and all of this. Because, you know, in our overly political saturated world and overly divisive world that we live in right now, rightly so, people get upset and there are arguments. And there's also the vanity aspect where I'm worried about kind of what we were talking about earlier. I'm worried about listens and promotion and all of the things that don't really matter. What matters for us in this moment is having a conversation with a friend. Yeah, Everything else is is bonus. Mm -hmm. So when we start focusing too much on the negative side of it, then it makes sense. Oh yeah, well I just need to cut that out of my life. These are the other things that do not lead me to my end so I need to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Point blank. Period. And I just don't think that's right. Now I will say that uh, and we've both talked about this, Facebook is not a place that I like to be <laughs> for a lot of those same reasons. And it's so oversaturated. It's
2: very yeah. political.
1: So I think, but I think there are ways in which we can still be a presence online, but not be a a presence everywhere online. So for example, some people really are all in with the Facebook platform. Great. That's really not where I am. Uh, but, well, and I'm really not that good at Twitter either, so I don't really know what to do. That's kind of a <laughs> weird place that I'm in right now. Sure. I see it as a need and recognizing that I'm not very good at it. And seeing other people that may be really good at it, they're running away from it. It's like, ah, hmm. I I, with but,
0: Okay. Okay. I don't understand why you struggle with it. Like, I don't understand what the problem you have is with people deleting all their stuff. I just don't, I don't get that.
1: Well, it's, it's the problem, you know, like, <laughs> to put it sort of anecdotally, you know, what happens when all of the Catholics give up social media for Lent? Well, then, then the heretics no... have free, roam, <laughs> free reign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then there's no voice of reason. And, like, we hmm. do need to be that voice of reason in a chaotic world.
2: Hmm.
0: So you're saying that, like, so maybe to be a little bit political here, you have... Kind of an aversion to the what people have called the Benedict option of like the removal of ourselves from society and yeah. and the alienation from the world because yeah. because any effort there has been has been in you know not it's been immaterial right
1: well so you're, yeah. you're kind
0: of against that move
1: well, to an extent, I think it's important on a regular and this is why I think regular fasting is so important. We need to constantly be reminded that we're not just running away for the sake of running away. It's a retreat. It's a retreat, right? We're, we're recollecting ourselves so that we can go back into the field and be that presence of. Okay. So you're agi- you're against
0: us. the all or nothing. Like you like the idea yeah, of yeah, taking, yeah. you're, yeah. you oh, like yeah. the idea of taking breaks.
1: Oh, yeah. And take as long as of a break as you need, right? It's like, but don't let, let that.
0: But don't let that turn into a, I'm leaving it a this move? because it's yeah, a way.
1: It just seems like a move dominated by fear. And I don't think we should be motivated by fear.
0: So your problem is with the intention, not with the action.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Because you have no problem with deleting accounts or muting accounts in and of itself. You have a problem with doing so because you're throwing your hands up in the air and saying, look, this is useless and... All it's doing is causing me woe and problems and I'd right. rather just not be there.
1: Right. When it's clear that it's not useless, like this is, this is a place where people are. Hmm. And to run away okay. from that just seems. Ugh. Right.
0: Okay. So I'm going to defend your point in two ways. One, I, and I'm channeling a lot of Bishop Barron here because I've been listening to a lot of his stuff recently. <laughs> One, uh he has this huge thing about like, we had this imperative as Christians. I mean, this is, this is the gospel. This is Matthew 25 you know, the Great Commission go out and preach the gospel to all nations. And so he sees that as a very serious call that we have just neglected, that we don't, we just don't preach the gospel. Like we run away from the opportunities and the the places where we maybe uncomfortably are being asked to speak out uh, in defense of the gospel, we just run away from those opportunities. Um And so there's an imperative, there's an imperative to preach the gospel. That's the first thing, uh, which I think defends your point is that if we're motivated by fear, fear of the world, then we're failing to live up to the imperative of Christ to preach the gospel. Um, the second point is that you said this is where the people are. And I this this gets back to my whole thing at the very beginning of this, this episode is that I don't like it when people sort of like compartmentalize the Internet in in a box somewhere uh-huh. over there in the corner of the room that exists separate from my own reality. Um, I'd be willing to maybe go all in on the internet and say, then we need to have a paradigm shift and say that is the that is the marketplace, that is the acropolis, that's where the people are. Um, You know, if Paul was at the Areopagus in the Book of Acts, we're on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know, it kind of puts it puts the uh, the destruction of the not the destruction, but the Jesus turning over the tables in the temple into a little bit of perspective. He didn't just walk out. He tried to change it. And he did change it. Hmm. He didn't see the money changers and saying, yeah, this isn't going to lead me to a good place. so (laughs) To the cross. Uh, So I'm just going to back away slowly or delete my account.
0: Right. So why are you talking about this after we talked about stress? the dots for me.
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of us when we start to overuse social media is usually because we're stressed and this is a way of getting away from kind of that cathartic artistic experience we were talking about before. That would be a, a, a good way of dealing with stress. I would say over saturation of social media is a negative way of dealing with stress hmm. because you're, you become consumed by other people's lives um, and what other people think of you. Okay. Uh, instead of an actual engagement with those people. Hmm. Uh, and so, and I find this, you know, I'm, I have a time limit on my Reddit account, um, that limits me to an hour a day. And just with that, that's, that means I'm on there less than an hour these days because I know, I subconsciously I know, oh well, I can't spend too much time because I don't want to waste all of my time. Hmm. Um, and so it's been, it's that, that little thing has helped me to, to lessen my use, but not to run away from it completely.
0: Okay. Because you're saying that when you experience anxiety, perhaps then you can, you can waste all of your time pacifying yeah. your anxiety just on, yeah. online Yep. and that, and when guys do that and then they react by saying, no, 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 this is bad. Get rid of all of it. So like we, yeah. we overcompensate.
1: Yeah. And there are little ways I think. That we can kind of mimic the retreat experience on a smaller scale so that it's not, we're not just waiting for that annual eight days of silence or, um, you know, the Friday without meat or whatever it is, you know, the time limit on, on particular apps. Okay. That's a good way. I don't have, uh, Twitter and Reddit are the only social media apps on my phone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Facebook is something. That I just go through the, through my browser. And it's just difficult enough that I don't want to do it very often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I end up not doing it very often. Um, but I still go and check it regularly. Uh, because there, again, there's, there are good things that can come from that. And I don't want to just run from it.
0: Right, right, right. Um, um
1: yeah. I, I think
0: that what, one thing that I'm going to do, this advent is I'm going to get on Reddit every day and I'm going to try and make a post every day. Yeah. Because and I think that's something
1: that, that we could, sh- well, we should be doing, but we could be doing much better as uh, being, is being a presence.
0: Right. I think most of us are just bystanders and watching yeah. and getting upset, like getting obsessed at the voyeurism thing and right. on that level, staying on that level. And then that it's just a level of consumption. Right, there's no production. There's no creativity. You're just right. passively watching. It's like sitting down and watching 6 hours of television a day. It's like what uh-huh. are what are you doing? You're destroying yeah. your life.
1: The the up op- the other side of that though is if you are somebody that posts regularly, you become consumed by the upvotes or the karma or whatever it is, the likes.
2: Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, lots to think about.
1: There I- I really think there's a healthy way of doing it and we're not, we're not there yet.
0: Well, I think you and I can start with our, uh, we can start with our Twitter account, with our podcast Twitter account.
1: Yeah. What would be some of the things that you would want to see?
0: Uh, well, I would love to, I don't, I just don't have any confidence in like sharing meaningful stories and meaningful articles that I find. I find myself a little insecure about endorsing things, you know? Uh huh. Like coming off as making endorsements about things right. that are controversial.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe we could start by putting out Benedict the 16th and Tolkien quotes.
2: <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> and see where it goes from there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why don't we, uh, let's, as you say, let's put a pin in this right now and maybe pick this yeah. up again next
1: week. Yeah. Sounds good.
0: Cool, man. All right, I got to run,
2: but uh, it's good chatting with you. All right, bro. Cheers. Peace.